Good morning, Evangel. You guys can just go right ahead and take the offering. I trust you can do it. Good job. Morning, everybody. Are we good today? Yeah. There's a thing I want to do before we get into God's word this morning. And because uh, I just thought, let's just bring this right out in the open. I'm going to talk and we're going we're gonna to pray together just quickly before we um, start looking at God's word. This morning, um, if you are a person that parked over at the forum, you may or may not have noticed that there were some other cars there and some other people there that perhaps you weren't familiar with. And uh, that is because there's a little bit maybe more chaos. And you might have thought for a moment that we moved back to the forum. <laughs> But we did not. However, there is a new church plant in Montreal called Resurgent that has launched today at the Forum right across the street from us. And uh, they have been going for a few months in another location and they needed a different space. And so they thought, you know, uh, what is it? What do they say? Imitation is the best form of flattery. They thought, well, Evangel had something figured out there. Let's see if we can use that space now that Evangel's not there. And so there's a little bit of cross messiness and everything that might happen in the park parking lot. Um, but here's what I want you to know. The, the church, Resurgent Church, is led by Pastor Andrew and Vanessa Hoyes, and uh, God brought them to Montreal, okay? Just like he brought you to Montreal, just like he brought Jeff and I to Montreal. God brought them to Montreal, and somebody said to me, when we found out that, that Resurgent was moving in across the street into the forum, they said, <gasps> they just gasped like that, right? <gasps> Pastor Patty. What about the competition? What are we going to do if this church moves in across the street? What if somebody meets God there instead of here? You hear the humor in that question, right? Can I just tell you something? If somebody goes across the street and walks into Resurgent Church and meets Jesus there instead of having to meet Jesus here, I'm going to be the first one cheering, right? And so, I, you know, we just wanted to dispel any of this competitive nonsense that gets out there. And so Jeff and I, we went for brunch with the pastors of Resurgent Church. That's them right there, Andrew and Vanessa. And uh, we thought we'd spend maybe 45 minutes or so having coffee together. And it turned out, I think we spent like two and a half hours just talking together. We laughed together. We prayed together. We just, and we just said, we want to bless each other. And we said, how about instead of, you know, if we're going to be across the street from each other, how about instead of acting as if we're um, divided and, and in conflict, competition and all of that. How about we act as if we're all part of God's family? What a thought, right? We said, how about we act in such a way that says we're not going to actually compete. We're going to coexist happily across the street from each other. And maybe God has this amazing plan for this intersection right here in Montreal and said, you know what? We're going to have two awesome churches plus all the other ones that are all around and God can move through that. And so we're not, we're not quite the same. We have different styles. We have different emphases. Some are going to prefer resurgence. Some are going to prefer evangel. Some are going to prefer some other church that's around the, but I'm just all about, I'm all about God in the city. And I'm like, let's just pray for all the churches in the city. Let's bless each other and forget this competitive nonsense. Is that okay if we do that? So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for them this morning because they are launching over there. They started at 1030. Probably their service is just finishing up. But uh, let's just pray for them. God, we just thank you for calling people to the city of Montreal. We thank you, God, that you have plans for this city. We just sang about it. And we thank you that you are the God who knows what your plans are. 
And so we speak blessing onto Resurgent Church. We speak blessing onto Pastor Andrew and, and Vanessa Hoyes and their congregation. We ask God that, that since you have called them here, that you would provide for them. You would give them the ability to do what you have called them to do. You would take that church and this church, and you would help us both to grow, helping people meet Jesus and helping people get to know who God is. And the God, we just pray for every life-giving, kingdom-building church in the city of Montreal today. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would bless every last one of us. You would help us to honor you and bless each other with everything that we say and do. And we ask that you would do this in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen, amen. If you were here on New Year's Eve, you know that we um, had a good time, actually. And we took some time to look backwards over 2015. And we took some time to look forward into what 2016 might be. And we launched this whole idea of an inside-out church. Say that with me. Inside-out church. Do good, love each other, reveal Jesus. And we said that an inside-out church is a church that is going to be less about staying within the walls and more about engaging our world. And we said that an inside-out church is going to be a church where the relationships within reflect the extravagant, ridiculous, generous love of Jesus in such a way that the world sees something, the world that is lonely and and defensive and and self-focused and all those things. They see something that they want to be part of. And it's going to be a church that's fueled by God's incredible power, inside-out church. And so we're going to unpack that today and over the next few weeks. And so I'm so glad that you're here for the first part of it, because today we want to talk about the do good part. And so I want you to just say that with me. Do good. Do good. Now say it like you mean it. Do good. One more time. Well done. And so we're going to look at two different scriptures. We're going to look at some scripture from the Old Testament and some scripture from the New Testament. And if you are a person that you go, I don't know what that means, our Bible is basically divided in half. And the first part is the Old Testament and it leads up to, it's the history of Israel and everything leads up to the point of Jesus. And then the New Testament is the stories of Jesus and everything that follows after that. So we're going to take some scripture from the Old Testament today and some from the New Testament today. And we're going to start unpacking this idea of what an inside out church is. So first of all, let me start with um, a verse that a lot of you have heard. I'm sure that you've heard it. It's Jeremiah 29 11, and it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Raise your hand if you've heard that verse before. Raise two hands if you've heard it a hundred times right? It's a beautiful verse. It gets used a lot. Lots of us have it stuck on our fridge or on our office wall or whatever. And it's just this beautiful, wonderful verse. But the thing is, I'm so sorry. I'm going to burst your bubble today because that verse gets taken out of context a lot. And you can't just yank a verse out of scripture and plaster it on your fridge without looking at what it says around it so that you understand exactly what it is that it's talking about. So take a deep breath, okay? And let me me tell you the story around this verse. Israel, the nation of Israel, when this verse happened, Israel was in exile. They were in Babylon. They, they were there because of their sin, because they continued to rebel against God, and God had said over and over again, stop rebelling against me, or I'm going to withdraw you know, from covenant, and, and not from the covenant, but from protection, and all of that kind of stuff. And so they didn't, and so they ended up in exile into Babylon. But it's important to note that at the beginning of Jeremiah 29, it says that God 
carried them there. God took them there. It's not that he just withdrew and they got dragged off. God was the one who brought them to Babylon and he knew they were there. They were not abandoned. Now, they didn't want to be there, right? Of course they didn't. They're surrounded by enemies. They're in hostile territory. They're in a place they never wanted to be, never wanted to go, came there against their will. And all they want is to go home. They just want to go home. They want to go home to Israel. They want to go back to the promised land that God gave them. They're praying to go home. They're singing songs about going home. They're talking about going home. They're clenching their fists and speaking with great emphasis about going home, right? That's all they want. They want to go back to the promised land, the space that God has given them. And, and happily enough, there are prophets all around, conveniently, who are telling them that this is what God wants too. And the prophets are saying to them, yeah, you're going to go home. You're right. You hang on. Don't you even unpack your suitcase. Don't, don't get your coffee in a, in, a, in a coffee mug. You get it in a to-go mug because you are going home. Any minute now, God is going to fix everything. He's going to bring you back to the promised land. Don't you worry. You're not staying in this nasty place. You're going to go home. All the prophets were saying that. Except one, Jeremiah. Poor guy. He's all on his own. He had a different message from God, and and just for the record, it was his message that proved to be true. And here's the text of the letter that he wrote to them, Jeremiah 29, verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. How many know that's the exact opposite of what they were hoping for? Right? They, they think about how they must have felt when they heard it. They're in a place where they don't want to be. And Jeremiah says, build a life there. Build a life in that city. Jeremiah says, I want you to be part of the community there. Here? In the place of our enemies? Yeah. God says, be part of the community there. Bring good there. Work for the prosperity of the city where God has brought you. Be part of the economy. Be part of the marketplace. Um, He said, work for the peace of that city. Strengthen the relationships. Be a good neighbor. Help the city to become a safe place and a peaceful place and a place that's good to raise a child in. Be active in your efforts. Do something to bring good. Do good. Say that with me again. Do Good. And then Jeremiah says, pray to the Lord for it. For Babylon? Yeah. Pray to the Lord for that city because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Your life is intertwined with the life of the city that you're in. Verse 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed, how many years? Seven? 
Oh, 70. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, too often we see this scripture from a distance. And if you have been a follower of Jesus and you've been around the church for a long time, you're going to get all spiritual on me and you're going to go, oh, 70 years, that's not so long. They were in slavery for a few hundred years. They waited for the Messiah for centuries. So, so what's 70 years? And then for sure, somebody is going to quote the verse to me and they're going to say, you know, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. So what's 70 years? Can we, can we get real here? Think about the people that actually heard this message. Actually, just, just think about yourself. Where are you going to be in 70 years? See, that just landed, didn't it? I have very good genes. All of my grandparents lived almost to 100. And I guarantee you, in 70 years, I ain't going to be here. And neither are most of you. And these people are getting a prophecy saying, in 70 years, you're going to go home. For I know the plans I have for you. The promise was actually for the next generation, not this one. And God's message was, yes, I have a plan for you. This is it. You're in it. This is the plan that I have for you. Build your life here. Be part of this world. Integrate into it. Bring good to it. Don't be isolated away from it. Don't huddle away and be, be all separate. Work for its peace. Work for its prosperity. Pray for it because if this city prospers, you too will prosper. And if that was God's instruction to his chosen people who were in exile in a place they didn't want to be in hostile territory, if that was his instruction to them, how much more might it be his instruction to us, God's people, living in a city that most of us have actually chosen to live in? This is where everybody got really quiet in each service I've done this morning. Now, let me just move forward and look at what Jesus had to say about that all, okay? Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's just unpack that a little bit. The first phrase, salt. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus said. Now, the first time that I had to preach this scripture, I was asked if I would um, speak for a week at a church camp way up in northern Ontario. And I said, oh, I'm not sure. I don't really love church camps. And some of you do, and I don't mean to offend you. But I find church camps, they make me a little bit nervous because it's a lot of Christians in one space right? And I I get a little bit nervous by that. And I said, really? You want me to come and and preach every morning at a church camp? 
It's just, there's a lot of, and, uh, and, and so I was trying to figure out how I'm supposed to, and I'm supposed to speak on salt and light. And so I was trying to figure out how to do that. And so finally I went in there and I held up a bag of Lay's salt and vinegar chips, which you just saw on the screen. It's important that you see that because you need to know that is my favorite snack always. Lay's salt and vinegar chips and dark chocolate. And I can eat them both at the same time, just in case you're wondering. Okay. So Lay's salt and vinegar chips. I held up a bag at this camp and I said, you know, I said, Christians are supposed to be salt and light. We are the salt of the earth. When we are all piled into one place, all together, all of us isolated from the rest of the world, we are like a bag of Lay's salt and vinegar chips, super salty, a really nice treat not a healthy way to have a lifestyle, right? Chips are a lovely snack. But if I lived on chips, I would be in trouble, would I not? The purpose of salt, salt is supposed to preserve what would otherwise go bad. Salt is supposed to add flavor to stuff that is bland or tasteless. Too much salt in one place is a lovely treat, but it's not healthy. It leads to high blood pressure. Salt only serves its purpose when it's spread out. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit over there. It only serves its purpose purpose when it's spread out, not piled in one place, and when it's in close contact with whatever it's supposed to be preserving or whatever it's supposed to be adding flavor to right? And then Jesus went on and he said, you're the light of the world. I always find that interesting because so many times we say Jesus is the light of the world. He said, we are. That's interesting. And I, a number of years ago, I read, I read a book um, by Mother Teresa. It was actually a collection of her um, memoirs and her thoughts and what had called her into the ministry that she did. And it was called, Come Be My Light. And her understanding was that it was the light of Jesus in her, not separate from her, in her, that she was being called to carry to the very poorest of the poor in the slums of Bangladesh. And her understanding was that if someone wasn't willing to go and carry that light of Jesus within them, then the light wouldn't get there. Which adds a whole new understanding again to when we talk about ourselves as being the hands and feet of Jesus. We're the body of Christ. We're doing what Jesus did. Doing the work of Jesus. And which means then if we don't do, it don't get done. And here's the thing. Light is only helpful in darkness. Obvious statement deserves to be said. Light is only helpful when it dispels darkness, when it pushes back darkness, when it reveals what's been hidden in the darkness. Without darkness, there's no need for light. (laughs) Okay? Let me say this another way. If, If light is all gathered, all together, all the light in one spot... That is a very, very, very bright spot with no impact on the darkness all around, everywhere else. Salt and light only ever gathered in a building all together are not doing what Jesus called salt and light to do. Verse 16. Let your light shine 
before others that they may, say it with me, see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, there are scriptures that balance this, that talk about giving and talk about doing good in secret. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And I know that 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 matters too. That tends to be about motive, right? It's about you don't just give or you don't just do good deeds in order so that everyone can go, oh, right? So that I can go, look at me, look at how much I've given in the offering. Look at me, what a wonderful Christian I am doing all of these good deeds. There's, we're supposed to be humble. We're supposed to be, you know, a little bit secretive when we do stuff because we're not doing it to get um, praise and admiration from the people around us. That's not very Christ-like. However, if we take that principle to the nth degree and we don't balance it off, like, The point, I assume, is not to be so invisible as followers of Jesus that nobody even knows we're here, right? I mean, the point is not to huddle within this space and do it so humbly and so secretly and so quietly and so anonymously that no one even knows we exist, That's not the point. That can't be what Jesus meant. Let people see your good deeds, Jesus said, which by the way means you have to do them because when people see our good deeds, they're going to glorify God. They're going to honor God. People see God. They see Jesus when we do good out there, okay? I don't even know what it looks like when others, when an outsider honors God in response to the good deeds of of a church. I don't know what that looks like. I don't think that that an outsider, and forgive me for that language, I'm just trying to find, you know what I mean. Uh, I don't think an outsider is going to break into a worship song immediately. I don't think they're going to necessarily understand everything about Jesus just like that and bang, everything's good and it's all settled. I don't think, and I've been thinking about this for a long time and this is the best Um, theory that I can come up with, I suspect that when an outsider honors God, because of what they see us doing out there, it might sound a little like, thank God that church is there. Thank God that church is there. Now, when was the last time you heard somebody say that about a church? When was the last time? Can you imagine what would happen if the city of Montreal looked at Evangel and said, thank God that church is there because of the good deeds they saw us doing. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do good. Say it with me. Do good. Now, here's the sad part. That's not often how outsiders see the church. Let's be honest. When we talked about this as our staff 
Um, we, we were hashing out this whole idea of inside-out church and doing good. And our bookkeeper, Nancy, said, can I contribute something? I think I have something, kind of a thought to add to that whole thing. And, and she told us about her accounting textbook, because, of course, she's the church's bookkeeper, so she has accounting books, which are really fun to read. And she said, can I, I said, it was, it was so good. I said, can you email it to me? I really want to share it. And so she told me about this accounting textbook and told our whole staff about it that explains the difference about how you do books for business and how you do books for not-for-profit. Because of course, a business has a main priority of what? Making a profit, right? That's why a business exists, is in order to make a profit. Everybody knows that. Not-for-profit organizations exist for a different reason, and they might have different purposes. So sometimes a not-for-profit organization exists mostly to serve themselves, like a social club or a sports club or something like that. Sometimes a not-for-profit organization exists to serve society out there at large, like, for example, the Canadian Cancer Society. Here's the sobering part of what was said from Advanced Financial Accounting. Clubs, private societies, and religious organizations generate revenue primarily from their members and spend that revenue primarily on activities and services that benefit their members. That's where everyone goes, ouch. Ouch. Nancy's accounting textbook says that churches exist to collect money for ourselves and then spend it on ourselves. That's a little disturbing. I'm pretty sure that's not how it's supposed to be. I'm pretty sure that a church like that is not going to cause Montrealers to say, thank God that church is there. And, and, and when our leadership talked about this, we, we went away on a, on a retreat. If you're here New Year's Eve, you know all about that. We went away to Huntsville, um, some of our pastors, uh, pastoral leadership, and we, we talked about this whole idea. And, and Pastor Bill went running for his laptop because he always has more information to add to something, and it's just phenomenal. And he said, can I share this with you as we're unpacking this? And, and it's a modern-day version, the scripture that I read to you from Jeremiah 29, build houses, settle down, plant gardens, all that stuff. It's a modern-day version of that. Pastor Bill didn't write it. He got it from somebody else who's another minister who was concerned about the church, the Christian church, in an urban setting. And his answer to his concern was to hear Jeremiah 29 in an urban context for today. Can I share it with you? I've taken away your cultural power. I want you to live as exiles. I don't want you to live in separate culturally controlled enclaves from which you bemoan the state of the culture. And I don't want you to go into secular cities just to build your churches there. I want you to go into the belly of the city, see how broken it is, and get involved. I want you to work there, pray there, and sacrifice to make it a great place, a safe place, a prosperous place, a better place. I want you to build and love and serve Babylon better than the Babylonians themselves. And I want you to do it while keeping your identity and values as genuinely spiritual Israelites. I want you to make the host culture better any way you can while living distinctively as my people. That's where my heart is. Don't be assimilated. That is, don't love the city and forget me. But at the same time, Don't separate from the city. That is, don't love me 
and hate the city. In short, live in the city as the incarnate Christ lived on this earth among the people. Isn't that impacting? Can I just, I want to read it one more time. If it helps you to sink in, you know, close your eyes and let it settle. But I'm going to substitute in Montreal and followers of Jesus, okay? Ready? I've taken away your cultural power and want you to live as exiles. I don't want you to live in separate, culturally controlled enclaves from which you bemoan the state of Montreal. And I don't want you to go into Montreal just to build your church there. I want you to go into the belly of Montreal. See how broken it is. Get involved. I want you to work there, pray there, and sacrifice to make it a great place, a safe place, a prosperous place, a better place. I want you to build and love and serve Montreal better than the Montrealers themselves. And I want you to do it while keeping your identity and values as followers of Jesus. I want you to make the host culture better any way you can while living distinctively as Jesus' people. That's where Jesus' heart is. Don't be assimilated. That is, don't love Montreal and forget Jesus. But at the same time, don't separate from Montreal. That is, don't love Jesus and hate the city. In short, live in this city as the incarnate Christ lived on this earth among people. Spread out like salt. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit over here, in contact with what it's supposed to be flavoring and, and, and preserving. Carry the light of Jesus. Be light. Carry the light of Jesus into places that are dark and let people see that we bring good to this city in such a way that they glorify God and they say, thank God that church is there. Do good. And Jesus is revealed to people outside our walls. It's an inside-out church. It's a church that doesn't just stay within and hide inside our walls looking after ourselves. It's a church that walks out our faith in tangible, noticeable ways out there. A church that pours good into our world out there. A church that carries Jesus out of here into our world as part of everything we do. So here's what that means. Here's the plan for you, for me, for all of us. First, we're going to keep unpacking this whole idea of inside-out church the next few Sunday mornings. 
And, and next week, we're going to talk about the in here part. We talked about out there part this morning. Next week is going to be the in here part. What does it look like in here and inside out church? And somebody said to me, Patty, why didn't you start with the in here? Because we, we do what's in here and then take it out. And I said, well, we could. But I said, you know, the thing is, I, I want to do out there first because in some churches, other churches, not this church, but other churches, you get focused so hard on fixing everything in here and making in here the focus, we never get around to going out there. And I don't want that to happen at Evangel. I'm sure it never would, but I don't want to take the chance. So we started with out there, and next week we'll do the in here part, but we're going to keep on unpacking that whole thing. Second, we're going to communicate it a lot. The whole inside out church thing, we are going to say it so many times that you are going to roll over in your sleep and go, inside out church. And when somebody comes up to you and says, well, what is inside out church? You're going to be able to say it's do good, love each other, reveal Jesus. Just like that. Do good, love each other, reveal Jesus. We're going to say it over and over again so it becomes part of our DNA and becomes part of our understanding of who we are. We've got a new website that's launching this week. It's done. We just have to find the password to launch the blessed thing. And uh, we're going to do that. And you'll see it all there. And you're going to see it on social media with a hashtag inside out church. And you're going to want to be on our email list. If you did not get an email from me... this is the practicals. If you did not get an email from me last night at 6.01 p.m., you are not on our email list. If you signed up for our email list and you still didn't get it, then you have a Gmail address. If you have a Gmail address, it went to your promotions tab, and I can't make it go anywhere else. And when you open it, the formatting will be all messed up because Gmail hates me. It's great in every other version of email except Gmail. So in that case, you just click on the view it in your web browser or go back to Facebook or Twitter or whatever and click the link. We've got it posted everywhere. And you can see the emails we're going to be sending out. We're going to try and fix all that, but that's what happened last night. But we're gonna, you want to be on that list because we're going to send out just short messages, maybe once a week or so, just to keep you in the loop of everything that's happening. And if you're a person that goes, I am not online and I don't like online, that's why we have these and some of you have them. They're not pretty, but they tell you everything you need to know about what's going on inside out church for evangel. So we're going to communicate it. We're going to unpack it. We're going to communicate it. And here's the part that really matters. We're going to call for you to find your place in it. It's no good me standing up here going inside out church. It doesn't create an inside out church. That's just me standing up here talking. Every single person needs to be part of it. And some of you, you already are. Some of you already live inside out. That's what you do. If that is you or that is somebody that you know, I actually would like to know about it. I would like to hear from you. I want to know who the heroes are in this church that are doing good in our city, that are showing Jesus to the world through good deeds in Montreal. I want to know who they are so that we can celebrate them and we can honor them and we can say, isn't this great? What's happening outside of Evangel? And another reason that I want to do that is because the rest of us, well, we actually need to hear those stories. We need to hear the ideas. We need to hear what other people are doing so that we can figure out what we're supposed to do so that each of us consider our role and our place and our responsibility in an inside-out church. You might not know what it is just yet, but I would be so grateful if you would consider the question as we walk it all out together. So would you stand with me? Stand up. If it helps you, I often pray with my hands held out because it shows 
Um, just submission to God and inviting God to come in. If that helps you, you feel free to do that. Would you whisper this prayer along with me? You can put your own words to it or just whisper the same words I do. But God, I'm inviting you in today. God, I'm asking you to show me my part in an inside-out church. I'm asking you to show me my role in doing good in my city. God, I'm asking that you would give me your heart for this city because you love Montreal. You love the people that live beside me and above me and below me. You love the people that I work with. You love the people that I go to school with. You love the people that I run into in the aisles at a grocery store. Give me your heart for this city. God, I pray that you would give each of us creative ideas. Start to burn in our hearts deeply with with a desire and with um, ideas of what we can do, how we can carry Jesus out of this place, how we can impact our city in such a way that people in Montreal turn around and say, thank God, Evangel's there. God, teach us what it means to be a church that is inside out, that carries salt and light and good deeds out into the world that you've placed us in. And we ask that you would do this in Jesus' name. Ask the worship team if you would lead us in God of this city once more.